Greetings, Princeps, and welcome to the 25th episode of the God Engine Cast, a weekly podcast dedicated to discussing the Adeptus Titanicus wargame produced by Games Workshop. In this show, I have an interview with Chris from Tabletop Standard. Tabletop Standard is a fantastic YouTube channel that creates a pile of fantastic Titanicus content, and we're going to go digging into what he does, why he does it, and the games he's played on this channel. All of that coming soon. Attention Princeps, the God Engine cast needs your help. Please review this show on your podcasting app of choice. Reviews help others find this show. Also, by the same note, simply recommending this show and sharing our contact on social media also helps me spread the message and get additional listeners. Additionally, in the show notes for this show, there are links to a number of methods of direct support. First, there is a link to an Amazon shopping list. This is my God Machine wish list and is the place I drop items that I would like for the show or events I am going to be hosting. Over time, I will use funds generated from the adverts from this show to purchase items from this list. But if someone wants to speed this process up, I will be most grateful. Secondly, I have a Ko-Fi page. This can be found at ko-fi.com slash godenginecast. This site allows the folk to make small donations to help me cover the additional costs associated with recording this podcast. I have set a goal on the site with the aim to get some art commission for the show and allow me to subscribe to a number of products that will help me with the production of this show. Finally, as always, if you have any questions for this show, please email me at godengine at gmail.com or reach out through Facebook or Twitter. Uh, I have profiles on both and I'm fairly active on social media. Anyway, thank you for all your help so far. And let's get this show on the road. Before we get to the uh, main show, I'm just going to talk about news for a minute. There really hasn't been anything this week. Uh, Games Workshop hasn't released any news about Titanicus, and the community itself is mostly still dissecting the defense of Riserbuck. Um, Yeah, and that's about it. That said, both the Remembrances Retreat and the Eye of Horus podcasts Dropped shows talking about Titanicus in the last week. And both shows are well worth checking out. And I'd advise you to go and listen to both of them and see what you think. They have several opinions that are different from mine. And that's really good. I'm glad we got some variety out there. I know I've already mentioned this once already, but I just thought I'd repeat. If anyone has any questions or comments you wish to ask, or topics you wish me to discuss at the front part of this show, sort of small little one-off bite-sized chunks, please email me at god.engine.com cast at gmail.com and I'll get on and talk about it. I do really enjoy dissecting the small questions people send me and quite often a topic will come in that I can't dedicate an entire show to but I do want to take a few moments to talk about. That's a great way to do that. Anyway, on with the show. So in the first episode of the series I said I was going to start covering narrative missions. Well, here we are. This is going to be my coverage of the first narrative mission in the core rulebook, the Martian Schism, Last Stand at the Magma City. My plan is to cover one narrative mission per episode from now on until I, you know, cover them all. 
I'm going to do this very brief overview, describe what the mission is, where it fits in the fluff, describe how the battle works, and then describe my thoughts on the mission and any experiences I've had playing it. My hope is it will give people an understanding of the type of missions that are out there and so they can incorporate into their normal games. So, let's get on with it. So this mission represents the last stand of Tempestus on Mars fighting the superior Legio Mortis as they came in to destroy the Magma City. This is the battle in the Death of Innocence that is focused as the finale of the Mechanicum novel by Graham McNeil. It's a really good book and this mission tries to bring some of the drama from that final couple of chapters. Both the named princeps from the book are present in this mission and the princeps of your armies are those individuals, which is a pretty cool idea and they have special rules for them. The battle groups for this mission are Legio Mortis and Legio Tempestus. The Legio Mortis player has between 3,000 to 3,500 points, and the Legio Tempestus player has 2,000 to 2,500 points. So there's already a real stark points imbalance. Battlefield is played on a full 6x4 board. The battlefield should be split really into two halves, with the Tempestus side having a lot more scenery than the Mortis side. Stratagem-wise, the Legio Mortis player gets none in this mission, whereas the Legio Tempestus player gets... So stratagem-wise... The Legio Mortis player doesn't get to have any stratagems in this mission. The Tempestus player gets the Noble Sacrifice stratagem, plus three additional stratagems, plus one additional stratagem for every 200 points under the 1,000 point handicap they're playing under. Which is okay. The mission special rules, as I said, are that both princeps have named characters. So Tempestus can re-roll any failed command checks when attempting to issue orders. In addition, attacks made by the Princeps Titan can re-roll the location dice. The Legio Mortis's Princeps can choose to pass or fail their um, Machine Spirit checks. In addition, they can pick what Awakened Machine Spirit they get, which is interesting. An additional special rule is Strike from Concealment. The Legio Mortis players suffer a minus two to hit the um, Legio Tempestus Titans in the first turn of the game as the Tempestus Titans are hiding themselves uh, from the incoming attack. The deployment for this mission is fairly simple. It's a simple square, square deployment standard, but the deployment zone of the Legio Mortis is 12 inches in from their table edge, and Legio Tempestus get to go 18 inches from their table edge. The battle lasts five rounds. The Legio Tempestus player gains points for every um, Legio Mortis Titan they destroy, and every Tempestus Titan that remains on the battlefield. The Mortis player gains points for every Tempestus Titan that has been destroyed or structurally compromised. A special rule called Unstable Geology, which represents the fact this battlefield is on top of a volcano and that volcano is exploding. So you put a number of markers down that represent volcanic events, and then you roll a dice in the end phase, and the number that comes up, that vent, then it gas gasses out, and anyone within D10 of that marker suffers D6 strength 8 hits to its legs, ignoring shield saves. And that anything within 6 inches of that marker then becomes dangerous and difficult terrain. Then, for each additional turn, um, markers then, you, you increase the number of dice you're rolling per turn you're in. So if you're in turn 3, you're rolling 3 dice to see which markers go up. If doubles are rolled, the explosion in that particular location is bigger. Not that the dangerous train increases either. This is pretty good fun and should in theory hit the Legio Mortis Titans more than it hits the Legio Tempestus Titans. Though I didn't see that in the game I played at this one. So that's the mission. It should be a really fun game. Uh, it's got everything there to be a pretty solid narrative. It's got a pretty easy to use special rule that's going to have a significant impact on the game. 
and a pretty good story. I mean, the book itself is one of the best heightened fights I've read. That said, my playing of this game, I didn't really enjoy it a huge amount. Now, I'm not sure if that's because of the mission or because the way we were playing with where we had two players on either side and we were trading off titans, that became a bit of an issue. But the actual mission itself has a number of problems. The biggest is the fact of the size differential. A 3,000-point Mortis Force is more than capable of destroying a Legio Tempestus Titan with one round of coordinated fire, and giving them an additional minus one to hit in that first turn doesn't really help. That Tempestus player is going to start losing Titans really quickly. They're already outnumbered, so as soon as they start losing Titans, the snowball spirals rather quickly. And even though it's theoretically possible for the Legio Tempestus Titans to kill more Mortis Titans because the more are on the table, that's never going to happen. I really think the game's too big. I want to play this mission again by scaling both sides down. What I would like to do is play it at around 2,000 points for the Legio Mortis and 1,500 points for the Legio Tempestus. Allow the Legio Tempestus Titans to rock with three or four Titans and then a lot of Knights to represent House Tyrannus. Maybe even allow them to take a household detachment and a um, standard mana pull as an exception to the rule. Let them run two lances of House Tyrannus and then three or four Tempestus Titans. And on the other side, let the um, Legio Mortis guys rock in with some pretty big Titans. Um, I think it could work. you just got to be very mindful of the points. Um, Going to the full 3,500 points for Legio Mortis is a really big force, and they will blow you out of the water, especially if you end up going for a 2,000-point um, Tempestus Force. That 1,500-point difference is incredibly powerful, um, and it's really not needed that much. I want to give this mission another go. Uh, definitely one I'm keen to play again. Um, but if you played it, let me know what you think. Um, did you come across the same problems I had? Would the solutions I've just mentioned help you? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So next week, I'm going to cover the Trail at Kalth, Wreck of the Ultran mission. And uh, yeah, that'll be good fun. So if you've played that mission, let me know beforehand, and I may include some comments from listeners in that section of the show. Okay. Now let's move on to the main section. Now we're going to the main section of the show, which is going to be my interview with Chris from Tabletop Standard. Tabletop Standard is a YouTube channel that focuses on battle reports from Titanicus. It's a really interesting channel, has some really good games up there. They've got a pretty good way of putting together content, and I really enjoy their videos. In the last month or so, Chris has started putting out videos for a campaign system. And after the first battle report, I decided to reach out to him to see if he wanted to come on the show. I've been talking about campaigns a fair bit, and I kind of wanted to have the input and insight from someone who's also doing it uh, in a completely different way. So I rushed through the introductions with Chris fairly quickly, and this is because I kind of see this interview as a sequel to an interview that was on the Echoes of the Wasteland podcast. That interview and that podcast was the reason you're here listening to this now. Uh, Jackie's conversation with Chris inspired me to start this podcast, and... I really think it's worth checking out. It's not required listening to understand the content of this show. This show is definitely more focused on the content he's putting out for the channel, the stuff he's doing around campaigns, and what his plans for the future are. 
But if you like what what Chris has said and you want to learn about him a bit more and learn a bit more about his channel, other than checking out his channel, I encourage you to go back and listen to that interview because, you know, it's really good. And some of the stuff he said in there were the final pushes I needed to get myself in gear to start recording this podcast. So for both Jackie and Chris, I have the eternal thanks because this has been a really rewarding hobby and I've never got to hear without that interview. Anyway, uh, one final thing before we get on with the interview itself. Once again, this show was recorded before I got my hands on the new book. Um, this was my second ever interview recorded. Uh, and I think it shows up in places my questions weren't quite as put, well put together as I wanted them to be. So bear with me. Listen to what Chris has got to say. And uh, I hope you all enjoy it. So I suppose at the start, what brought you into playing Titanicus? Well, Titanicus for me, Martin, um, just goes back to my early days of gaming. So, um, you know, it came out in, what, 89? And uh, I remember my dad buying a copy. And um, and the funny thing is I actually don't remember playing it, but I remember having the kits and the models and, and, just, and just having that. And then later on, he... He bought a box of um, Space Marine, and uh, we we just had all that. And I just loved that whole that whole scale and the look of the models. You know, it literally was epic, wasn't it? You know, you you look at you know you look at the thirty k games or forty k, and you know it's wonderful looking, but there's nothing like Legion Space Marines and obviously the the Titans themselves. You know, scaling you know buildings and 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 so when they announced it at Warhammer Fest, uh, when me and Steve went. We, would, we just couldn't believe it and uh we just were like that's it that's the game we're getting we'll we'll sell whatever we need to we're getting it cool so it's probably nostalgia really, but it's worked out well because the the game is so good oh yeah no i think they've really i mean i've said it many times they've knocked it out of the park with titanic because i think it's the best system they've put out absolutely i mean we're going to be biased but it's it stopped me playing other gw games mm-hmm Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. I was very enthusiastic when they came out with uh, Aeronautica because I thought it was going to match Titanicus, but never quite got there. I think they they hit the golden spot with Titanicus by only having the one faction. I've I've played Aeronautica once, and it's it's a it's a brilliant game, but for me, what I don't get from it is the spectacle, because it's that it's that, it's that more board game feel to it and i i enjoy that the tabletop and the miniatures and the whole immersion in that in that environment so for me you know Titanicus just tips it mm -hmm. so you've been playing you've so you 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 got in at the grandmaster spot then and moved on from there yeah straight away pre-ordered that from my local gaming store um as soon as i could i didn't care what was in it um just had to have it really um and then yeah just um just carried on, yeah. Whatever, whatever they've released, I've just made a point mm -hmm. of trying to get my hands on it. Really. When did you actually start recording the channel? I found it middle of last year. Right. Let's. I'd have to look through my videos. Um, April, April twenty nineteen. It's looking at. Okay. Potentially. Um, is it before that battle report number two? It was April twenty fourth. So it might have been March the first one um yeah i mean basically at that time i was off i had a prolapse disc in my back okay and um steve had painted up his um whatever he bought and i was lagging behind because i couldn't sit at my desk and paint and once i got on the pain meds um i could get some stuff done and 
I, don't know, I just I just kind of said to him, I said, I really just want this game to to be a thing. And I was like, you know, it needs, you know, I want I want it to have support. I want people to see it and play it. I was in love with it so quickly. I just said, you know, I'm off work. I'm, you know, I'm going to get a bit bored. I can't paint a lot. I don't need a lot of models. I said, let's let's do it. Let's do it. And uh, he, he wasn't so keen, but I forced him into it. And, uh, you know, obviously now he enjoys it and he's quite enthusiastic. Yeah. Um, and I said, yeah, let's just, let's just be the ones to have a go. But there, you know, there are other people doing it. And um, so it's not just us. Um, but yeah, yeah, why not? And um, it's just, I just enjoy it. it just, it's just nice to share that passion, share this game. Um, you know, the, the specialist games always get this reputation for, oh, it's going to die or it's a dead game. And I just, you know, I just didn't want that. Yeah, I always I hate that reputation because it's people talk about oh you know the specialist games are just dead games in the making, but actually not many of them are. I mean, Necromunda and Blood Bowl both survived plenty of time without Games Workshop paying them attention. I mean, all the best games for me from GW have been the specialist games. Throughout my my history with uh, Games Workshop games, I've always loved the specialist games more, and um, I'm just glad they're they're back, and I'm glad it's a thing. So yeah, good for me. Yeah. I know I collected 40k solely because I wanted a game that I could get game games with people when I showed up at a store. But I've reached a point now where I'm just not going to stores enough that I may as well plan my games out and get Titanicus anyway. Yeah, it's, the thing is, it's quite hard. I mean, when 8th edition came out, I know it's a Titanicus chat, but it's kind of relative. So they announced both on the same day. And uh, obviously 8th edition dropped first. So I did the same thing. I bought I'd stopped playing 40k, so I bought a new army, got it all painted, because I wanted to play with my mates and, and be social and do all that sort of thing. Then I started playing Titanicus, and the game to me is so good and so immersive and decision-making is so good that I find it actually very hard now to put 40k models on the table and enjoy it in the same way. I feel like I'm, I'm going through the motions. Yeah. No, that's identical but i i'd got into age of sigma pretty hard after eighth drop because i didn't like eighth and um, my friends my friend showed up with the copy of titan death and i was playing my biggest ever age of sigma game just five thousand points it was great played it all day but from about the second part of the game onwards i wasn't playing the game i was just reading the titan death book and going this game's great <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um uh, yeah it i love that um if anyone's ever played um epic as well um the whole you know, I go, you go thing for me, I think it's brilliant. I think it adds such a great dynamic to the game. And there's nothing like playing Titanicus and you don't really see it uh, on our videos, but there is a lot of times where we are literally just staring at the board, trying to make that decision. You know, do I want an order? Do I want to repair? Oh, I've rolled these dice. What do I repair? All, all that stuff. I just love it. It just makes my brain hurt. We're at the point now where, obviously, with like uh, COVID and everything, if I if I'm going to play a game, it's it's going to be to try and film it. And I do really love those moments where I'm just playing a game without the camera because I can actually just I can properly concentrate on <laughs> what I'm doing. It's so hard to to film and and concentrate on your Titans. So you, you you probably don't get. I mean, I mean, I'm not a good player by any standard, but it's quite refreshing to put that down and just enjoy the game. Um, but, you know, obviously I enjoy the filming as well. I enjoy getting this game out. The outcome of that is that I, what I enjoy about your videos is that I'm not seeing the entire game. 
Um, it's like I'll I watched all of the streaming that um, Games Workshop did for Titanicus, and they're really good missions they put together. But it gets slow to watch. <laughs> the whole sections where the people are, you know, standing around staring at the board, and there's it's not great television. Yeah, I mean, bat reps are a strange thing, aren't they? Um, watching someone else play a game when essentially the enjoyment of this hobby is playing the games yourself. But they, you know, they they are popular, and especially in forty and stuff. But yeah, it's finding that. Um, how do you film this that isn't going to be completely dull? Um, so I know, you know, I mean, we don't really show the terminals much. I mean, I'm never going to be able to show the terminals on the other side of the board. I don't show mine too much because I just think, you know, what, what's I think for me is important is you're focusing on the action, the decisions, and then the result. Yeah. You want you to just stop, you talk about what you're going to do, you see the big stuff, and then the nitty-gritty just gets swept through. And I, it's, it's nice. It's nice to be able to watch a three-hour game in an hour. You experience it without having to sit through the boring bits or boring for the spectator. Um, ironically, they are the most entertaining bits for the player, but yeah. Yeah, that, those moments where you're literally spending five minutes staring at the board in silence because you, you've got five decisions and you've got to pick the best one. That, that, you know, that is the best bit because that's, yeah. that's, that's the thrill of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no one wants to see that. No, no. And what, yeah, exactly. And what, what's nice for us is by, you know, we, we film it in a way that I can put the camera down during the movement phase and, you know, give you your overview. So I can actually, well, both can, we can actually spend that time to, to mull it over. We're not trying to rush it through too much. Yeah, yeah. And it was, I, I definitely saw a wonderful progression as you moved from, you know, early days towards that last couple of narrative missions you did where I felt I was seeing more of the action and less of the pondering time pondering time that's a pretty good word for it yeah i'm, I'm hoping that the, the quality is uh improving um with every video there's there's always a lot of pressure to get things right um yes and that that to me is the hardest thing and unfortunately just you, you do slip up you do miss things um you know just human beings you know, the problem the problem with filming your game is you know people are going to watch critique. <laughs> anyone else you know you get 100 people they'll play their game and make 100 mistakes but there's no evidence you know so <laughs> no one ever remember i i like the fact i'm watching the games you've addressed every issue i've seen pretty well in the footage anyway so it's you know playing like most people play and and I always, um, the comments we get when someone, um, if you do miss something, when someone points it out, that to me is useful because I think, well, I'll remember that, hopefully. Um, it's been quite hard coming back from a, a break and, and trying to get things uh, down, especially we're going to, you know, we're trying to use new rules, new legios, campaign, and uh, it's just a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff to remember. Yeah. With the new book on our doorsteps, it's... I don't feel like I've got the last book under my under my feet yet. I've played no, three absolutely games not. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm grateful it isn't a massive um, release schedule. I, I'd never be able mm-hmm. to keep up with it. Yeah, it's one of the things I dislike about 40k. To be honest, is they've actually. I love the fact they're putting out the content, but it's it comes at such a speed I can't keep up with it. Yeah, you just you're just chasing the game all the time. At suits my uh, time. It suits my bank balance better. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. All that you know. Doing the channel, I've had to invest uh, more money into things that I would never <laughs> have needed before. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I'm with you there. A couple of weeks ago, it was about a month and a half that you put out your first video on the campaign. It seems like a... Yeah. Yeah. So that, the whole idea of it was to obviously coming out of uh, our lockdowns, um, how could we do something that would minimise the amount of people coming into the house? I, you know, just having Steve, so, you know, we wanted to do the campaign. And then the COVID period was good opportunity to try and put it all together, kind of write the pack and have an, have an idea of uh, how it would work. But then it's all theoretical. So the only way we're going to do it is actually just jumping off the edge and doing it. So um, that's kind of where we are. I mean, we've got one game out and obviously we've got a bit of a break now because we're not professional YouTubers. We have families <laughs> and we have jobs and those things yeah. have got to come first. Yeah, no, and coordinating people to be around each other in this mess is a pain. It is, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not willing to, you know, um, put people at risk, you know, if they want to stay no. away and severe, and we'll, we'll, we'll get back to it when we can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so let's, you know, um, can you give me a quick overview of what the campaign is? Yeah, um, I mean, essentially, it's just a a map-based campaign. And the idea was, well, what models have we got? Well, we've got these. So we worked out that we could make, we could just about squeeze four battle groups each. So that was kind of the, the precursor. I think in one of the videos, there's a, a bit of fluff. So it's a forge world. Uh, it's quite an important one. And at that time, it is garrisoned by various Titan uh, legios and manipuls getting ready to redeploy. Um, and then obviously the heresy starts and Horus, he wants it. And uh, it's already, uh, the plans are underway and half the Titan Legios uh, turn. And then you've got uh, a rear guard of Imperial Fists on their way back to Terra. And then obviously we're using the little uh, Epic Marines to, to show that they're holding the city. So that's kind of your background and essentially what the campaign is. So it's, uh, yeah, uh, a map-based campaign. Yeah, and that the opening video is pretty cool. I like the fluff. Um, it's good to get lore into our games. Titanicus is a very narrative game, and it yeah it brought it in nicely. You've got to have it, and the thing is, uh, it's again, it's striking that balance of you don't want reams and reams of fluff because I know a lot of people essentially just want to get stuck in and and see the games and and all that sort of stuff. So again, it was trying to work out, you know, do a bit of fluff and then we've got all the um, update videos in between. So you, you know, you need to see the map, you need to see where everything is, you need to see the armory points and all that kind of stuff. So trying to get that in a scaled down version, um, yeah. which isn't, you know, too laborious, you know? Yeah. And you, is the map campaign system out of Shadow and Iron, right? You're using? Um, no. Well, yes and no. So um, unless I've got this completely wrong, they've got all their rules in there, but there is nothing, as far as I'm aware, I'll have to get the book. Actually, no, it was the, it's the uh, Titan Death had the planet-wide map campaign. Shadow and Iron had the system-wide one. Yeah, but there's nothing that actually says, like, how to run a map. So that was the... All the other bits are brilliant. Um, they do everything for you, but they don't actually sort of say, well... This is the map. This is how a map can be done. This is how battle groups can move around, unless I've missed something. So the map is the map is definitely something I wanted to do. And to be honest, there was enough information really to work around all the other stuff and just add the map to it. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, again, you want to try and keep it simple. 
Yeah, so um, did you make the map rules of whole cloth, or did we you borrow them from another system? No, I um, it was all circumstantial. So first thing I need to do is find a map. And um, so what I, I found on eBay is, is a game called War Cradle or something. I mean, I've never heard of it. And um, so the map I've got is an MDF War Cradle board, and it was all hexed. Perfect. Um, so once I had that, then it was like, okay, how many battle groups can we do? Well, we can do four each. Then I needed something to represent the battle groups, which I found little models for that. And then once I kind of had that stuff, then, then I started thinking about how they're going to move around and um, how many phases they're going to be in the map, which then coincide with the shadow and eye. And so, yeah, I mean, I had, I had like, what, three or four months to mull it over. Okay. Yeah, it, it seems because you got the first video, the third video you put out was the actual first round of the campaign map, and that was pretty good, just seeing very small titans move around a map. Yeah, absolutely. So there's not a lot of space on there, uh, which is good because we've only got, you know, so many battle groups. You want, you want to engage um, as quickly as possible. Uh, we didn't in the first round, I don't believe. It was a lot of um, just claiming territories and sussing each other out, and then we only had one engagement um, in the second round. Uh, I mean, the rounds being numbered isn't really crucial. It it, it kind of finishes when it finishes. Um, but where we are now, so we we I've done the update stuff on a video. So I'm waiting for Wednesday's available so we can do the next map phase, and I'll tag that in the whole same video. So you'll get the updates from the last battle because we've also um, we've spent some armory points and we've upgraded some battle groups. Okay. So we've got some. Uh, new units in there because they start at 1500 and they can go up to each battle group can go up to 2000 so and then obviously you're building your lists from that battle group so the battle group isn't your list it's just your it is essentially your group and you pick your lists out of it you've stopped using the way they do the um armory points in relation to or you've changed the way losses work correct yeah it I, i'm and you know, after a game i get why they've done it because you'll spend more armory points. But it just didn't seem, it just didn't make sense to me that a Titan is destroyed from something like laid low and then it's completely gone. And then literally you roll out another Titan. I mean, I know they had more during the heresy, but it just didn't feel right that they were just being manufactured. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of, um, it was more a thematic thing that um, only if they had like catastrophic meltdown or magazine detonation, then obviously, they're in bits, but something that just kind of falls over. I just felt like, you know, they, they do whatever they could to bring that back, repair it, salvage it. Um, so it just kind of uh, felt more narrative. No, it makes sense narratively. It also closes one of my biggest gripes about the campaign system. Um, me and my friends in uh, Oklahoma City, we played a campaign about, must have been straight out of Titan Death, that was April 2019. And like the first two games I played, I wiped my opponent off the table. They had not mm -hmm. a single Titan left, and they were all destroyed. And they had the, only the armory points left to bring like a 1,200 point list back in the next game, mm. which quickly imbalanced the whole campaign. And we sort of we didn't even get past round three because the sides would just become so unequal. Mm. Um, On the flip side of that, I've, I've looked at our first game. Now, obviously, it was a very cagey game uh, for those who watched it, uh, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and we actually didn't have to spend too many armory points. So there is part of me that thinks, well, I'm going to have to keep an eye on how many we're generating and how many we're spending. And then um, later on in the campaign, that might have to be reduced or increased. So you, you have to sort of take it as it comes. 
So maybe in the future, maybe we have to start um, having some um, territories destroyed to reduce the amount of armory points. We've just got too many and it's too easy. So we'll see. I think in the next round, it'll be a bit more telling because um, I think we'll possibly end up with more engagements. But we'll see. Yeah. I think there are actual rules within the um, Titan Death books for you destroying a territory you're occupying if you don't want to fight it. So you can burn it down as you retreat. So I think the system's built to allow degradation of armory points as the campaign goes on. Yeah, so that is something that we may consider. It all depends, really. So we're only, we're only in the, you know, the second round. I mean, the way I've, I've looked at the ar um, is it armory points, how do you win? points on a point yeah so i've kind of worked out roughly in my head that um i think we're playing up to 300 again that that can be changed if it needs to be to make sense but it kind of works out i think that roughly 10 rounds should be enough for someone to win and i think that's probably quite a nice amount of rounds and bear in mind there can be any, anything from zero to four battles around. So that's quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's... So looking towards the future, you've probably got a year and a half worth of content, if not longer. Mm, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, no rush to, like, you know, bang out the campaign in, like, a couple of months. It's We'll be doing um, other narrative games and just standard match play games in between as well. It's just going to be a nice slow burner. And for those that want the campaign, it's just a nice add-on to the channel. Yeah, I... I really think that campaign plays where Titanicus shines. I'm, I'm, I, I see the community trying to find a campaign system that works. Cause I'm, Games Workshop's biggest oversight in the rule system is a good campaign structure. We've got nothing like Necromunda or something there to use to play those long burn narrative games. Yeah, but I mean, you know, Games Workshop make a book, and then it's your game, isn't it? Once you bought it, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that people say, oh, okay, well. You know, you can see that we've come up with our own sort of um, our map movement and phases and things like that. So you just sometimes it just takes a little bit of your own work just to make something work for you and work for the models you've got and, you know, how many people want to play. I mean, I'd, I'd love to play a campaign with, with several people, but logistically it's just not not uh, possible. It'd be nice to have like one big battle group each and, uh, you know, have, you know, a loyalist side with like three people and a traitor side with another three. That'd be fantastic. Obviously on the... Last video you put out when we were recording this, but it probably won't be the last one by the time this goes out. Uh, the game ended in a... Uh, I'll spoil it and say it ended in a draw. Um, <laughs> There's no way around it, is there? Yeah. Um, but, yeah. And it was a sort of... You had to deal with that problem, because I know Games Workshop doesn't really talk about draws a huge amount in their campaign structure, and you, your map systems... I think that they have, they have the... They have win, lose, and draw in the honour points, I think, part of it which is fine, but I never actually considered what to do on the map. And that was the problem. Okay. So they, they I'm pretty sure they do have um, win-lose draw, because I think we both got a on a point each or whatever it was for the result. But then the problem I had was I was defending the hive. Steve was attacking. So if you win, you literally shift that person off. And I was like, well, it's a draw. What do you do with that? So um, I just think the easiest thing was um, to sort of like bounce off each other, if you like. And uh, no one claims it or claims that space. Um, so, yeah, it was, but yeah, it was, that's, things like that are going to come up, I think, throughout. And um, I think it's good, you know, if people are looking at how to come up with something, then you can see all the pitfalls that we'll find. Yeah, no, and I, I wanted to come to that point because it was one of those like, you'd explained it all and then the draw comes up and it was like, oh, 
Yeah. How does that work? Because it is just one of those things you don't even consider. Because I don't even remember how they handle it in other map systems or games workshop. So to just whenever anyone, they, you get that sort of conversational structure about, you know, there's always a winner and loser in nearly every, any one of their games. Um, mm. Especially when the campaign structures, their ladder campaigns, the full work of it is drawer is rarely an option. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm glad. I'm glad that game finished when it did. I mean, yeah, I just I, my my Titans were in a bad way. That was um, that was a good that was a good result. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it was. Um, yeah, it would have been a very different game had you gone another turn. Another turn, you would have lost probably half your Titans. If... Yeah, it all, it all went horribly wrong. I had, I thought I had a great plan, but um, yeah, yeah. That's the way the game goes. You were really unlucky in that last turn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We got, um, so we've got a video coming out um, as we're recording this tomorrow. It's standard match play, and there's some, um, there are some dice rolls in that game. I'll say that. So. Yeah. Okay. So um, when you say standard match play, are you talking the ones from the core book, or are you still using the Graham Sanders? rules pack i love the graham sanders rules we haven't really gone into that much i've I kind of adopted the engage and destroy chart for that which is just really simple and elegant and brilliant and um, i met graham at the legio walks event he was my first game so it's really good to speak to him um yeah nice guy and uh yeah really good his packs we haven't really really delved into the primary and secondary missions for that which is something we will do mm-hmm. um we in this in the uh, in the game we just filmed we used the missions from the book because the game was organized last minute and i didn't really have time to sort of look into okay. anything and it was fine actually i really enjoyed it we took out engage and destroy and it actually mm-hmm. was the, the missions were fine I actually really enjoyed it it was a good game um but yeah i like coming up with my own stuff i like using you know graham's pack and yeah i'd like gw to for other people, for the, the masses, I think pick-up games is something people want, and it's easy for them, isn't it? They go to the club, they play a pick-up game. I don't think they've, they've done enough for that. No. And it's a shame, because they have in their mainline products... Uh, I just picked up my ninth edition rulebook yesterday because I wanted it, um, and I, picked, I also picked up a deck of their open war cards, and they're really great for just throwing together a quick, fun game. Yeah, you know, I'm almost tempted to get them just to see if I can steal any ideas for AT games. Yeah, well, to be honest, one of the reasons I brought them was I was going to start using them for the event I was planning on running in September mm. because a lot of the mission objectives you can just port over. They are secure yeah. parts of the, secure that objective, secure that hold that objective, and that works with Titans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also dislike the mission objectives which are kill an enemy Titan. I always find that change, makes the game well. It makes the game a bit like your first game you played where you have to start playing a bit skittish you don't fully commit to moving titans across the table yeah i think a lot of that was to do with being the first campaign i know it was for steve i know he was like i don't want to use titans because i don't want to spend my army points and have a battle groups so i think i think the, the campaign feel actually changed that game more than the mission i think um although i think steve is probably the more defensive player and i am the more aggressive player i think that that is our dynamic as well so mm-hmm. yeah, everyone has their own style and Mm. Yeah, oh, I'd just like to charge in as much as possible. I'm a feral man. <laughs> it is a great, it is a great maniple for that sort of play. Oh yeah, I love it. I suppose swing around and talk about some of these narrative missions you've done. Um, yeah, what have we done? Two, two. Hammer of the Legio was one. Uh, delaying action at Avedon. Okay. And, yeah, Nightcron City. I think there's three. Okay, you've done three of them. Okay. 
Nikron is a brilliant mission. I absolutely love that. It's the, it's the, the uh, it's on the six by four, and it's storming the city walls. You got to get in the walls with the traitors, and you, I think you outnumber them like two to one. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's the Titan Death one. Yeah, that is a really that is a really good mission pack. I did it myself a couple of years ago. Um, I think you guys managed to pull it off more successfully than I did. It was it was a really good uh, battle report. It, it was a long day. Five thousand points, I think, of Titans combined, which is you know wonderful. But mm-hmm. but to film it was a long day. I can imagine. How much extra time does the filming really add? Would you say? Um, well, let's see. I mean, if we got video coming out and it's two hours long. And I think Dan was here for about six hours. Okay. Well, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. You know, it's a good half. I mean, we stopped for lunch. It's a good half a day of filming. Um, it depends on the size of the game. So that's like a confrontation, 1750. Mm-hmm. Um, tend to film um, with Steve. We do it in the mornings because because uh, we both work shift work. Yeah. Gets his kids to school, comes straight over. So he's got until three. So that's probably what, that's your six hours, isn't it, school time? Mm-hmm. That fits in. So, but we tend to do maybe twelve, fifty, fifteen hundreds, and then uh, those that can film on the weekend or in the evenings, maybe we do the bigger games then. So, yeah, it's a long day. It's a good half day plus uh, to film, um, and then yeah, another, another day to edit. Yeah, it's almost double the length of time in most games. Then by the time everything's said and done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But they are enjoyable. We do, um, we do play the game. You know, we do put the put the camera down as well and do the movement and everything. So, you know, you see in all the combat. Um, but yeah, no, it's good. I mean, I suppose that's the next big question. Which ones are you looking at doing here in the future? Have you got plans for any particular one? Do you know what? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I was kind of focused on the campaign. Um, and that is going to have narrative missions in it. I'll tell you what, um, this is going back to the Graham Sanders pack. I can't remember what it's called, but there's a mission at the back of that. And there's a territory at one end of the table. And at the other end, both um, battle groups are deployed in opposite corners. So they're so close to each other. And you've almost got, you've got a dash across to get into that objective at the other end. And whoever has the most time, it holds it and wins, I think. And um, I really like the look of that. And so that is something I would like to um, get into uh, the, the campaign, maybe when it's a, a fortress or something like that. Um, that's very yeah. good. Um, the GW ones are interesting. I do like them. I haven't flicked through too many. Um, I do look at some and I think, would that make a good battle report? I'm not sure. But I think for the campaign, I might take them and just edit them and make them fit. Um, I mean, some of them are massive as well. They're big, they're big, um, big games, a lot of the narratives. Yeah, that's been my trouble with them. A lot of them sort of pass the move from the confrontation to that next level up, which just name escapes me at the moment. And yeah, it's a completely the game's a different beast at that level. Absolutely, and I don't know. I mean, that Nikon was three hours of of you know of YouTube, and I you know I mean it's got as many views as any other video of me, so I'm sure people enjoy it. But um, I don't know if people enjoy the sort of snappier, quicker videos, the smaller games. So yeah. I mean, we'll just do a mix and people will watch what they want to watch. So, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't you can't tailor your content to maximum views. No, no, that's not it. I mean, I, I, no, I, mean, I essentially I try to put out what I think will be a good game. I like to try out new things. And um, 
what people might enjoy especially now we've got the homebrew legios in our collection and we can start using um more uh, legio specific rules yeah what was the name of the one i really enjoyed doing look it up now because it's now stuck in my head i'm wondering with some of the the bigger ones whether i can sort of scale scale it down i reckon you can um generally the rules the actual special rules they're throwing in are fairly mundane mm. so they'll scale down fairly well yeah a lot of it's about the the, the deployments and then a lot of them are based around being generally outnumbered and back against the wall kind of stuff which is great i would like to play more of the uh six by four ones yeah i have mixed views on six by four I like it, but I start losing space in my terminals. Yeah, I'll tell you what's good. I, I used the um, app the other day, which was very good. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, the Thai terminal, brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think when we did the Battle of Nakron City up in Oklahoma City, I ended up taking a pile of card tables up there. So you have space for the terminals next to the table. Yeah, that's it. Battle for Iron Fist Mountain. Uh, it's, oh, doing okay. more like, it's a really good one. It's a 4 by 4 and actually, the sides are fairly small. Um, mm -hmm. It's um, 1,500 points versus 2,500, uh, 2, which is, I know one of the sides is large, but yeah, it plays it plays fairly quick because the smaller force um, <clears throat> are all going to die um, because it's a last stand mission. <laughs> yeah, um, it's the Legio Crucius so in the center of the table. Are the uh, Legio Infector coming from the edge, and Legio Crucius start with all their Titans on shutdown order. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they've got to get moving, get their shields up. Um, yeah. So you almost feel like, you know, you've got that cinematic feeling of you, the crews rushing to their posts. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, it's really good fun. Um, me and my friend did that a couple of years ago, and he took a, oh, the, the mana pool that allows you to, if you're standing next to each other, you can share shields and ignore flanking. So he was a pretty hard rock, and it took me actually quite a bit of work to get rid of him. Um, yeah, it was really cinematic, really narrative. It was really good fun. So I suppose in sort of finishing up, um, I'll touch on the Legion Walks event. I know it's something that people continually talk about because it was like the last big thing to happen to the hobby before <laughs> the world yeah. shut down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know you get you guys rocked up there with all all of you and some extras. Well, yeah. I mean, so, um, so obviously this started with me and Steve. We met Jeff um, at a gaming in Brighton, a little AT event um when it first came out um george is from the local club dance from the local club and then jeff had his sort of mates from the brighton end and um you know into at and we all we all kind of they were watching the reps and we were all chatting on uh facebook so um we were just like when the tickets came out we were just like we've all got to go so i met most of them um or some of the other guys that, that at the event yeah Sean as well, yeah. Yeah, so it's been a, I mean, I, your coverage of it actually was really good. Um, I encourage any listener to go back and check those videos out. I know because of Games Workshop's filming is kind of awkward because you can't actually film on location. Yeah, so it all had to be done with photos. Yeah, and uh, there was a lot of beer on the first day as well, so that made it difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, it was really nice. I mean, just the, the video you put up with just all the Titan Legions that were there were just, it's just really nice to see. Yeah, that was incredible. That was incredible. It's different because um, when I've been to um, a 40k event, they normally um, come round and nominate people 
to go for the best army. But uh, the AT one, they were just like, there's the tables, put your stuff out. And I was like, well, I'm not going to put my stuff out because there's no point. But everyone was like, no, no, everyone should like put their stuff out and we should like, have everyone's Titans out. And I just thought, yeah, that, that was brilliant. Everyone was so just like, yeah, just get your Titans out. I just want to see everyone's Titans. So there were so many just out and, you know, they're brilliant. Just the level of painting at the event was just superb. And you can see on that, that video, which is why, you know, if you haven't seen it, go and watch it. It's just... Yeah, I think people have a lot of pride in, in, their, in their Titanicus. And um, the, the atmosphere of the whole weekend was just brilliant. There's a lot, a lot of laughing, a lot of joking. And, um, yeah, it was just a really good vibe mm -hmm. around. I liked your um, video you did afterwards when we were discussing it with all your friends. It was just... It, it, it was really nice of being stuck over here in America where at the moment we really haven't had a big, high-profile Titanicus event. It was nice being able to see it being done. It gave us a lot of, at least it gave me a lot of like hope that, you know, this is going to be a big, a big word, get the word right. It's going to be a big deal for several years to come. Yeah. I mean, again, it was, it was, I said from the start, so I'm going to go and I want to document it because, again, to me, it was important to let people see that couldn't go, that, you know, it was good and people had fun and it is worth going to. Yeah, yeah. So it's rather a shame that we didn't get the second one. Yeah, I feel sorry for a lot of people because I actually didn't, um, <laughs> didn't buy a ticket for the second one. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, I was gutted yeah. that I couldn't go to the second one, and then obviously everyone's got cancelled. Yeah, I felt for it because I think I think the second one would, you know, the first one's always good because it's the first one. Mm -hmm. I think you, they learn the lessons hopefully from the first one. And I think the second one, there'd be improvements, oh, yeah. big improvements. And I think the second one would be brilliant. Hopefully we'll get one in the new year. Absolutely. I might even be able to go to it. Yeah. Um, I suppose um, touching on the Legion Walks just bring me to the usual question that comes up about it on yeah. discussions on the internet. What did you think about the scenery levels there? Because obviously people, yeah. And there and in, then how it leads to general scenery, because it's generally the one that brought up, oh, they didn't have enough scenery on the table, rah, rah, rah. Um, no, they, 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 they didn't is the easy answer. Um, you could also argue that the scenery levels didn't match the missions either. So I, to me, if you look at like the narrative games and, and, and any game, so for me, Titanicus, there is no, I don't think there is a set amount of scenery. It, it's you your scenery and, and how much you decide to put down it obviously affects your game so much it's like well, what kind of game do you want to have um is it an open battlefield is it fighting in the streets through a city um is it a canyon it's, to me there is no right or wrong um if you're playing enough games for me i like to i mean i tend to put quite a lot on for my videos just because i think it looks nice yeah but when i'm playing games i like to have a mix you know, Titans will be fighting all, all kinds of uh, battlefields. Um, I like to have a theme board. Um, so the, I think when you look at game mechanics, yes, you need you need a, a decent amount to provide cover, to provide um, maneuvering, um, different options for maneuvering and, and getting away from things. Yeah, I, I get all that. But if you want a theme game, then, yeah, mix it up. Yeah, that makes sense. Um... Speaking, I suppose, on scenery, closing it up, and I can throw this in a different spot if I need to. Um, I noticed when watching your last video, 
the video before last by the time this comes out. You have a lot of the old epic scenery up there. Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool to see. Does it work well with Titanicus still? Um, yeah, I think so. I think the old card buildings do. I think if you probably looked up close, you might think the doors and windows maybe look a little bit smaller. No, the scale's a bit smaller, but the actual height of the buildings um, and stuff is, is yeah, it's pretty spot on, really. Nice size. You know? um, yeah, great. I mean, a lot of the scenery we had, because was me and Steve still, we, we haven't done recently because AT has taken over, but we were actually still playing Epic. Oh, okay. Yeah, we still we still play. So a lot of this stuff I've stolen and now lives in my house. But a lot <laughs> of Steve's epic terrain. And it's one of the reasons why we get started is because he had a garage full of it. That's awesome. So we've just literally just moved it over. We both love this scale, so Yeah. I, I'm taking it you're on the firm fence of pro new edition of Epic then. Yes, please. All day long. I will literally transfer my wages to Games Workshop. Okay, yeah, I'm 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 more on the fence, but yeah, what, why is that? Because I think a new edition of Epic would be what the current edition of Apocalypse is. Yeah, possibly, but if they make really juicy models, there's nothing stopping you playing Armageddon with those lovely new models. Yeah, that's sort of where I'd I'd much rather have. I'd like some, I'd like the models back. Um, what What you want is updated lovely plastic models of all the old stuff you know you want legions and marines and land raiders and all that good stuff i'm very i I like to keep it in the horus heresy i get very skittish when they start talking about or i hear conversations about bringing other races in and other factions because yeah i know what you mean and to be honest i mean i'm going through the books now so i'm all about the the heresy i just think it's brilliant but yeah i'd love it to be heresy that would that would suit me down to the ground yeah, it's easier to balance. We can get the depth of material, we can get all the units rather than just some of the units and some of another faction's units. Yeah, yeah, that's true. By focusing on heresy, we can get it all. They can put out different styles of Land Raider because they won't be doing Land Raiders and Orc Battle Wagons. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't be adverse to um, playing a massive Hell's Reach game in, no. you know, <laughs> no, with no. Orcs and Templars. and. Yeah, and there are massive battles in the that I want to see done that are 41st millennium. I love the 41st millennium. I just, I worry about specialist games trying to bite off more than they can chew. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm happy where Titanicus is. I know people talk about having the orcs and the Eldar in the future. And you know what? I probably wouldn't have a problem with that. I think, you know, uh, you always need new releases to keep something fresh and keep a game going. So, um, but if, if they keep where they are at the moment, it's a nice schedule personally i know some people want their toys now um i think it will tick over quite nicely yeah i'm looking forward to seeing what the next titan they come up with is um because we know they're going to put more out because that's their business model so obviously we'll get the warbringer with we'll get the volcano with cannon warbringer at some point and then there'll be something else and yeah there's just so many options they've got i mean flick through any of the Horus Heresy books or the old Forward War Black books and the references to Titans we've never seen. So they've got... Mm, yeah, those are the smaller Titans as well, which I'm really interested to see how they, how they will work. If they're smaller than a Warhound, will they have a Titan terminal? Yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, I yeah, especially with the Acastus being out there, which should have had a terminal, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. It, it's, an, it's a Night Titan, um, and it... You know the base is much smaller than the Warhound. They could have they could have operated independently like little Titans. I think that would have been spot on. 
yeah, there's, there would have been a way to do a hybrid between the two of them, and they just didn't. Yeah, the... I I would I wouldn't even be annoyed if they went back and said, you know what, we got it wrong. We're we've redesigned it. Here's new cards. This is how they work now. Fine. I've got the models. I've got the models. I'd like better rules. Yeah, I'm sure that will happen. I'm sure they'll do something at some point because, yeah. But who knows? I mean, this COVID mess is going to have messed them up something chronic. I can't even imagine what their production schedule looks like anymore. Yeah, absolutely. You, you could you could have a good guess a couple of well, in March you could sit down and make some back of the envelope predictions, just seeing what they've been doing. But yeah, yeah, work from home is a very weird type of work. Well, I, I still need more warlords and reavers and warhounds, so I'm quite happy with, with what they got. Okay. I think we're actually sort of to covered all the points I want. It's been a cool. really nice conversation with you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Hopefully at some point I'll make it over to the UK again and I can get to roll some dice at a future event. Absolutely, yeah. If you're ever in the country and you want to do a guest appearance, mate, you can always give us a shout. Yeah, well, I hope when I make it down I'll try and, um, I'll try and time it with some event at Games Workshop World. It's my giant master plan but yeah a lot of things a lot of things have to go right before then uh all the best to you mate you too so that was my interview with chris from tabletop standard i hope you all enjoyed it as much as i did recording it it really was a pleasure having chris on the show and i want to thank him again for taking time out of his busy schedule to spend an afternoon recording it with me please do yourself a favor and go and check his youtube channel if you haven't already um there's a great pile of content there and some of it is really insightful as i said in the show he edits a lot of his shows down, so you aren't spending hours watching a sh battle that's not going anywhere. And yeah, it's just good fun. And in times of this lockdown, we need a way to interact with the game, and I'm really happy that he's been able to provide it for me, which he has done. So, I'll be back in a week. Next week's show is not going to be an interview. It is going to be the start of my review of the Legio Astorum, the Warp Runners, and I hope you're all looking forward to it. So, until next time. Thank you again for listening to another episode of the God Engine Cast, a podcast dedicated to discussing the Adeptus Titanicus game produced by Games Workshop. This show was written, recorded, and edited by Martin Emery. This podcast is completely unofficial and no way endorsed by Games Workshop Limited. No challenge to any trademarks or copyrights have been intended. All rights are reserved by the respective owners. If you have any questions of the show, please email me at god.engine.cast.gmail.com or reach out to me through Twitter or Facebook. So until next time, I wish you all good fortune.